a slither of Epping Forest that runs through Walthamstow, there's a high spot near the waterworks with a view across East London to the city. On this sunny spring weekend, the view is more clear than I've ever seen it. The usual pillow of smog that sits over the capital is gone. The towers of Canary Wharf and the city glisten in the unusually clean, clear sky. On what feels like the first weekend of spring, the sun shines on empty streets in Walthamstow. The familiar traffic jams are gone. The airplane noise is silenced. Shops are closed, pubs boarded up, the market reduced to a handful of isolated fruit and veg stalls. In Lloyd Park, small family groups take their government authorised daily exercise, but no one seems to be staying for long. Waltham Forest, like all of London and much of the world, has an uncanny quality in these days of lockdown. Our streets are both familiar and utterly alien at the same time. Welcome to Waltham Stories Podcast. My name's Neil Roberts. I'm a journalist living in Walthamstow. We've been working on this podcast for some time, but the coronavirus crisis has prompted us to dedicate the first few episodes to stories about life in lockdown. How is it affecting our communities? How are we coping? And what are we doing to help each other through it? Over recent days, there seems to have been a campaign by the government and media to blame ordinary people for the spread of COVID-19. People getting a bit of exercise and fresh air in our parks are being condemned as selfish idiots for not staying home. Meanwhile, many workers in non-essential jobs are still being forced to travel on tubes and buses every day by bosses more worried about money than people's health. Despite the headlines, the most common response I've seen to this crisis is people wanting to do what they can to help. From staying at home, to millions of people volunteering to help the vulnerable and supporting the key workers holding everything together. In a moment, you can hear from a local theatre and movie costume maker who's using her lockdown time to make protective clothing for NHS workers. First, here in Wolfham Forest, thousands of us have joined mutual aid groups on social media and messaging apps to support each other through this emergency. From a borough-wide group with over 5,000 members to street-level groups with a few dozen, people across our borough have been organising to look after each other. I asked two of the organisers of Waltham Forest COVID-19 Mutual Aid what the group does and how they got involved. Because we are, of course, following social distancing guidelines, these interviews were conducted over the internet, so apologies if the sound quality is not great at times. Hi, I'm Rhiannon. I'm involved in the Waltham Forest-wide mutual aid group. The mutual aid groups are literally just neighbours helping neighbours. They they set up completely organically out of a need to fill some gaps that really the government should have filled, but they hadn't. And it's a hyper-local set of neighbours broken down into a couple of streets just helping out the vulnerable people in their community, anyone who's self-isolating, who's in the high-risk group and can't get to the supermarkets. It's literally just neighbours who want to help neighbours. Hey, hi, I'm Russell. Um, I'm involved in the uh, Waltham Forest uh, Mutual Aid Group. I kind of got involved with the Mutual Aid Groups after seeing a bunch of people talking about having set them up in different boroughs across London. Uh, so got involved because I really wanted to do something about 
you know what i saw as this real need for people to support each other in a really dire situation where uh the state the government uh just weren't stepping up and, and doing what we needed them to do and actually it's been really eye-opening for me because you know it's been a real education in what in what my neighbors are actually like it, as rihanna says it's really neighbors coming together to support neighbors you know i'm now in touch with more of my neighbors in my area than i've ever been before um, and it's just such a joy so i got involved in the waltham forest borough group quite early on when it was only just being set up um i just stumbled across the group on facebook and all of a sudden in the space of a day the group grew wildly beyond what i think any of us were expecting it to do and within the space of a day we had over a thousand members and mutual aid groups aren't supposed to be hierarchical and people organizing on behalf of communities it's supposed to be organic and self-organizing which obviously isn't possible with over a thousand members spread across our whole London borough so we decided to break down into smaller ward groups um so I took on setting up the sort of the group chats and everything for the the Leightonstone ward um as we as we sort of split I'm in isolation myself because I'm in the high risk group um so it's I've had a lot of spare time on my hands to be able to get things set up from my front room um it's given me something really positive to focus on during what could be a really scary time for a lot of us and it's it really restores your faith in humanity a little bit to see your community really coming together to protect each other Rhiannon told me about some of the help her local group has already provided to people. Last night, we in Leightonstone, we took a delivery of about 150 kilograms of fresh produce. A lot of that was delivered last night to the intensive treatment unit at Whips Cross Hospital for the staff. Um, there's another load going today. And the rest will be going to the local food bank. Um, but I think the one that probably stands out the most to me is we took a call from a local assisted living facility where there are three people living in apartments there and one member of staff, three people living there. Those people can't be left on their own Obviously, there's a reason they're in an assisted living facility, but they also can't go out with the member of staff to get food because they're in the most vulnerable groups. Um, so we worked with Elim Pentecostal Church and managed to deliver things like meat and fish, fruit and vegetables, cereal, um, to make sure that those people had food for the week ahead when they had no other alternative way of getting it that's sort of the one that stands out to me as being the one that I'm really proud of us being able to help them 
Since the mutual aid groups were set up at the beginning of the crisis, our Wolf and Forest Council and the NHS nationally have set up their own volunteer groups to provide support to people, while established charities are also on the ground doing what they can. I asked Rhiannon and Russell how mutual aid is different from what other groups and agencies are doing. I mean, I think the key point here is that we are a very different structure to a formal charity to the initiative that the council have set up. We're a very different structure in that we have no sort of rules on who can come to us for help. If you're in a tough position, if you're in isolation, if you're showing symptoms, if you're just afraid of catching it and don't want to leave your house, that's enough for us. We'll never ask you to justify your position. Um, and I think that's one of the one of the key differences between the way our mutual aid network works and the way something like the council structure works. I think it's interesting because I think charity feels really hard to uh, object to, but actually it means something, it can mean something quite specific in our culture in terms of uh, one group of people giving or supporting another group of people who they deem, deem kind of um, needing needy or needing of support and while I think a lot of what the mutual aid groups are doing is charitable in that we're giving our time to support each other it's not a two-tier system like we're not a group of people who are volunteering our time to help another group of people that are separate from us you know where we're all getting together to be charitable to be charitable with each other rather than uh, two other people. Rhiannon says mutual aid groups can help people in a way official services might not be able to. Obviously there's ways that the council can reach out to people and there are people who would feel much more comfortable going to the council for assistance. But there's also ways that we can reach out to people. There's ways, like there's people that would be more comfortable coming through a less official channel where it's just just your neighbours. It's not reaching out to a formal organisation for assistance. It's just neighbours looking out for each other. We're actually doing a lot of work with other organisations, which has been fantastic, you know, with local food banks, um, with uh, local charity shops and local other, uh, other local organisations, um, because everyone wants to pull together. Everyone wants the same thing. Uh, and that kind of cooperation, I think, is really, really important to us. While mutual aid groups have sprung up across the country, there have been some concerns raised about safety and safeguarding. Russell says those involved are able to address those issues, but also that mutual aid is built on trust. It's absolutely right to be concerned about these things, but one of the great things about how fantastic this community response has been is that we've got people volunteering uh, from all walks of life who have experience in these things. Uh, it's very important to say that mutual aid is based on trust. So what we found is that by breaking into hyper-local communities of around about 20 people at most, covering just a few streets, that makes trust a lot easier. So a lot of the problems that a lot of paperwork and bureaucracy are there to protect people from uh, are there to solve problems at scale. If you're the council and you're dealing with you know, thousands and thousands of people 
or you're a national organization, you're dealing with millions of people, it's very hard to find yourself in a situation where you can build a relationship of mutual trust. But if you're talking to a group of 10 or 20 people who live on the streets around you, it's much, much easier to develop relationships of mutual trust. I think what Russell says about mutual trust is really important, but also we do have some policies and procedures in place in terms of safeguarding and storing data and all that stuff. We have we have a set of procedures that we follow that help to minimise that risk even more. Um, but like Russell said, the key to it is developing a mutual trust. It's it's in very small groups of people and the chances are at least one other person in that group knows you personally because they are just your street and a couple of others. So it's much easier to to know that you're able to trust the people that are in those groups. If you'd like to find out more about your local group, go to Waltham Forest COVID-19 Mutual Aid on Facebook. Another way people in Waltham Forest are volunteering to help out during the crisis is by making protective clothing known as scrubs for NHS workers. I spoke to Amy, the coordinator of Waltham Forest Scrub Hub, who told me about the project and how she got involved. Apologies again for the poor sound quality of this interview. So the Scrub Hub is a group of um, volunteers in um, the Waltham Forest area that have uh, come together to make scrubs for NHS workers as um, scrubs are in short supply at the moment. So um, yes, there's a range of us. There's um, people that are, are sewing to make our scrubs and um, there's a, a group of people in our admin team as well sort of organising um, the material distribution and and cutting to uh, distribute them to our makers. Amy normally works making costumes for theatre, film and TV actors. With production shut down by the pandemic crisis, Amy said people in her industry decided to use their time to support health workers. I first heard about this uh, project when um, a friend of mine put a post on a networking group that I am a part of. So I come from the costume industry and on this uh, networking group she shared um, this post saying that uh, a group of her friends also from the industry were clubbing together to make scrubs for NHS workers because... um, they were in short supply and also um working in costume we make garments all the time and you know sort of organizing getting the materials together is something we do every day so it it didn't seem like too much of a far cry from the skill set we had already amy said that her group has a distribution system set up to safely deliver free scrubs to nhs staff who request them the response has been really positive um yeah, I think they're just really grateful that they well they don't have to worry about having to supply their own because it is pretty much impossible for them to, to do that now. 
If you'd like to support the Waltham Forest Scrub Hub, you can donate at gofundme.com slash make scrubs for the NHS. There's a link for that and for the mutual aid groups, as well as our social media and contact details in the show notes. Please subscribe and follow us and get in touch with your stories about life in Waltham Forest under lockdown. On the next episode of Waltham Stories Lockdown, we hear from a porter at Whips Cross Hospital who has contracted coronavirus and who says health workers have been put at risk by the failure to properly prepare for the pandemic.